Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. How you doing? Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I think this morning will be fun. I hope you will laugh and uh, listen and participate. Um, I got razzed in Vandalia last week when I gave this message. So if you feel the need to razz me, you can, but just keep it brief, not, not too tough. All right, Joe. Um, so um, I'm really excited about uh, Steve Backlund coming on Wednesday. We were just, um, a week and a half ago, we were just in California visiting Seth and Sarah, and we got to meet Steve and hear him speak and meet his wife, Wendy. They're amazing people, and Seth and Sarah are doing an awesome job helping in their ministry. Um, and so it's exciting that they will be here, that the Backlands will be here. Men's retreat, there are many men off retreating right now. I don't know what they're retreating from. Ha, 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 ha. But um, they're, they're having a good time. I was there Friday and yesterday. I came home last night so that I could be with you this morning. It's a really good time. The update from the men's retreat is that the New Day 3-on-3 three -three basketball team won the championship. Go New Day. Then every year at Men's Retreat, we do something called the Ultimate Challenge, which is some kind of crazy combination of activities that earn you fake gold coins that buy you cardboard and duct tape to do something. Last year, we made a, a cardboard and duct tape boat and sent somebody out on a lake in it in the pouring rain. He survived. And this year, we built like a uh, shield and breastplate of cardboard and bought a... Uh, bow and arrows for our ultimate warrior and then he went into the arena and battled other churches warriors and prevailed so we won that as well the arrows he was shooting have these big like marshmallow tips on the end so don't don't fear no one was actually killed or harmed in the filming of that movie it was very gladiator or braveheart it was awesome so lots of cool stuff coming up the big encouragement is hey there's a lot going on in New Day that you can plug into, so take advantage of it. You know, you don't have to go to Redding, California to be impacted by the Holy Spirit, to experience God's presence, and to have an encounter with God. There are ample opportunities right here amongst our three campuses and what we're doing, so make sure to take advantage of it. All right, I love intros. Let's keep introing this message a little longer. Hey, we're in a year-long series of sermons on the three journeys. Are you enjoying it so far? Good. I'm glad, because if you said no, I would have been, felt more pressure to really deliver today, <laughs> but I'm glad you're already feeling good, so bar's a little lower, that's great. We're, the first trimester of the year um, is done after today, so this is the end of the first of the three journeys, which was the inward journey. We'll be transitioning to the upward journey, and later in the year, the outward journey. So this first four months, we've looked at us, what's going on in our heart, in our lives, in our mind, emotions, belief systems, etc. Um, and what do we need to do in that realm to pursue spiritual growth? The whole year is about spiritual growth. We're chasing after that together as a church, and it's really, really exciting. I can't wait to see how far we've come by the end of the year. We've already come a long way in the first four months. It's great. All right, so specifically today regarding the inward journey, we're looking at the importance of healing and restoration. Did you know that we have four core values at New Day, summed up in the acronym FIRE? The R in FIRE is restoration. Yeah. So this 
message today is one quarter of the core values. We're right after that one. We're perfectly aligned with core values today. Who's excited about core values? What? what? All right. Why else is healing and restoration really important? It is personally important to me because it's changed my life. Um, and I don't just say that because Marilee and I lead the healing and restoration ministry at New Day. It really has, um, you know, everything from um, just spiritual growth, becoming a more mature Christian, having a fuller, happier, more God-engaged life. Um, but also our marriage has been super, super impacted by the idea of pursuing God with our heart issues and finding restoration. We have a great marriage today, and a lot of it is because of these principles of restoration that we're going to talk about today. Um, we've done five healing and restoration workshops over the last year. The fifth one was just last week in Vandalia, and um, there have been great testimonies out of that. It's not only changing my life, it's changing your lives as well, some of you, those of you who have tapped into this. And if you haven't, don't feel bad. That's, there's still time. You can. <laughs> and it's going to be great when you do. We had a great testimony last week of somebody who said, this just changed my life. You know, stuff that has just been sort of dogging her for years. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm free of it. It's so amazing. And this is also part of God's plan for us. That's the most important thing. God's plan for us involves restoration and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I said I love intros. Are you ready to get going? I have something for you today, and it starts with a story. When I was a kid, my dad worked at a golf course in Schoolcraft, a little golf course called States, and um, he worked in the kitchen. I spent a lot of time there as a kid, you know, like if mom's working, I go to work with dad during the summer or whatever. And um, there was a golfer who played there pretty regularly, and he drove this beautiful 1959 Corvette. I looked it up later. I think it's a 59. And, uh, you know, it was a, a soft top convertible in the summer. You know, go play golf. He'd have the top down. And, and I just thought, that is the coolest car. I love that thing. That is awesome. And so what I have for you today is a seven-part analogy. Does that sound too intense? It's not. It's going to be really fun. Beth's like, are you serious? You're such an engineer. <laughs> I am. But don't worry if you're not. It's going to be great. So it's seven parts of the Christian life as illustrated by this idea of restoring a 1959 Corvette. And in our little fun game this morning, you and I are the 1959 Corvettes. All right? And God is the one who's in the business of restoration. So let's try this out, see how this goes. Part one, this is an original ad, I think, of a 1959 Corvette. It's got the 1959 license plate on the front. It's got this happy late 50s couple riding with the top down past a lake, and they are just loving life. And in the bottom right corner there, it says, America's sports car. Right? So there, this is a picture of... <clears throat> A car coming right off the line, brand new, looks great, runs great, and anyone lucky enough to purchase this brand new vehicle, for them it would be such a treasured possession, wouldn't it? That's what the ad's trying to get you to believe, so you spend your money on their car. So flip that to the spiritual, and go back and read Genesis. In the beginning, God created man, and male and female. He created them in the image of God. He created them. And we were his treasured possession. 
So that's where our story starts, is being created by God, designed by God. He didn't roll us off a manufacturing line. He created us himself from the dust of the earth and with his own breath of life. And it was good, he said. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. And Deuteronomy 7.6 is where we get the treasured possession part. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. That's the original design. That's God's plan. That's where it all started. And it was good. Can you say good? good. Thank you. Part two. Sin entered the scene. Wah, wah, wah. Um, so what sin really does, it doesn't matter what the sin is, but ultimately sin says, I want to be in charge of my own life. So when sin entered the scene for all of mankind and when we each have sinned, Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all done it. We've all said, I want to be the owner of my own vehicle. I want to be the one who gets to drive this vet that you created, God. I know how to use it, right? And this is going to be great. So we took ownership of ourselves. We're no longer under that protection, that perfect love of God, and we're subjected to sin's consequences. So the picture of the Corvette here is not a pretty picture anymore. It's so sad, isn't it? The tires are flat, the rims are bent, the paint's all messed up, it's dented and dinged, and if you put in the key and turned it, I don't know if it would even start up. What a sorry state sin's consequences. So I've got a, sorry, I've got a bunch of fun pictures of other sin consequences, all involving Corvettes. This is where it gets really fun. You ready? All right, here we go. Oh, I forgot one more slide. (laughs) Good teaser. And then, not going here. I forgot about the scriptural basis for that. The wages of sin is death. Sin's consequences are death. The wages of sin is death. John 8, 34, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Not only do we take ownership of our own lives, but this guy named Satan has authority and, uh, uh, over the world that we live in. We're out from under God's protection and we're subject to attacks from that guy. No good, no good. All right. Rewind that teaser. Remember, it was really good. We're going to look at more cool pictures and laugh and have fun. All right, here we go. So here's one. One consequence of sin is when we take the wheel, sometimes we drive recklessly. This Corvette, the front end is like all ripped off because somebody got off the edge of the highway and into one of those like double cable guardrails, you know, the new kind that they do. And these firemen are just standing there with their hands on their hips like, oh man, If I owned a vet that nice, I would have driven it much better than this person. (laughs) But sometimes in life this happens. We take control of our own life. Sometimes when we're young and foolish, sometimes when we're old and foolish, (laughs) and we drive recklessly and we run into stuff and damage is done spiritually. All right, let's look at another picture. Here's a Corvette left out in the cold in the backyard and the grass is growing up around it. I don't think the Corvette was designed to be a yard ornament, (laughs) but here it is. It's not being cared for or maintained. It's left out in the cold. This speaks to situations that happen where other people's sin affects you, where people who should care for you don't. People who should contribute to your encouragement and building you up discourage or tear you down or just leave you alone and to, to figure it out on your own. 
you know, the abandonment issues that many of us face from a variety of different circumstances, that's what the picture of this vet is speaking to in the spiritual analogy. <clears throat> now this, this one's just good, isn't it? I don't know if you can see it well. This is a newer vet. It's not a 59 because I couldn't find a 59 towing a tractor. But somebody did it with a newer Corvette. They ripped the back end of the body off. They put a trailer hitch on it. So let's hook up a trailer and pull a tractor down the road with our Corvette. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Would you say this Corvette is being used for its intended purpose according to its design? There are... There are engineers and designers at Chevrolet who see this and just go, mm. they just shake their head. But sometimes this happens, right? When we take ownership of our own life and try to do stuff we weren't designed for, we can get overwhelmed, we can get burnt out. Stuff wears out fast when you don't use it how it's supposed to be used. Damage is done, gotta keep moving. All right, this is another really good one. Now just imagine you've spent a lot of money to buy this mint Corvette. Or you, you bought a Corvette and you restored it to mint condition, put your own hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into having this thing. And then it's just beautiful. And it's a summer day, you just got a few groceries to pick up. So you're like, I'm gonna take my vet for a ride. I'm gonna cruise, stop at the grocery store, and then head home. So you park in the back of the grocery store lot because you don't wanna get a ding from somebody's door or shopping cart, right? Well, Mr. Ford Fusion comes along <laughs> when they get done shopping and literally park on your hood. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that Ford Fusion drove right up onto this Corvette. There are other pictures of this same scene with a police officer standing around with the winch getting ready to take care of it. And they're like, hmm. Mm. But sometimes in life, your boundaries get trampled by others. People don't pay attention. They're not careful with you the treasured possession and they'll run right into you they'll ding and dent you up they'll park right on you they'll disrespect you they won't pay you the respect that you deserve and uh they'll hurt you plain and simple right it happens it happens all right part three of seven we're getting there we're right on time don't worry i'm gonna get you to lunch don't worry but salvation what does salvation mean? This is the same picture of a ratty old vet in the garage that we had before when we talked about sin transferring ownership and us taking ownership. Salvation is like God going to the, the guy with the Corvette in his backyard with the grass growing up around it. It's out in the cold and it's all nasty. And God says, I'll buy that thing. I'd like one of those. So when we choose to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we give God ownership of our life again. We're like a ratty old vet that he takes home and parks in his garage. And it's the start of the journey, not the end. Because the, all the damage that sin had done is still there. Just because he parked you in his garage doesn't mean uh, you've been restored yet. There's some work to do, right? There are lingering consequences. We could still be a, a total mess when we're saved, right? And really, we're all a mess. It's just no degrees. Sin is sin. Consequences are consequences. None of us are pure and holy, and we are in need of restoration. So that's what this speaks to. Salvation as the start. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. God bought you 
with his son, Jesus Christ, if you've chosen to receive him. And I hope you have. If you haven't, I hope you will today. Colossians 2, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So God owns us. If we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we come under his ownership and his protection. He's not going to hook you up to trailer and pull tractors around because that's not your intended purpose. (laughs) He's not going to run off the road with you and run into the guardrail. But whatever damage was there is still done. So, for God bought you for restoration. That was the purpose of God. When you get, if you gave your life to Jesus, he chose you already. When you finally decided to agree and chose him too, he had a plan of restoring you to your original um, identity, original beauty, the thing that he designed you to be in the first place, in relationship with him, um, pure and holy and perfect. And he really enjoys it. God really enjoys the process and the result of restoration of his people. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So this verse is talking about sanctification which is like this process of becoming the thing God designed us to be, of becoming holy, of becoming what he made us to be. Restoration. That's another word for the same thing, right? So I got a little sanctified definition for you to maybe help you get those wheels turning on this. The generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. A pen is sanctified when it's used to write. A human being is sanctified when he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. So that's what we're after. That's what God is after. All right, John 10, 10. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or have abundant life. Big, full, happy, joyful, awesome life. So that is what where restoration is going. That is the end goal, is for you to have a full, abundant life in relationship with Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit in you. We covered all three. (laughs) Didn't want to stop at two. (laughs) So God's design, his plan for you, is not for you to experience salvation and to dump you in the garage as as scrap metal. Or this uh, functioning heap that can roll down the road. He can drive you to the store, but man... You might park in back because that's not too pretty, right? That's not his plan. His plan is restoration. He plans to use you according to your purpose, not towing the tractor. And if somebody parks on your hood, he'll take care of it. He'll clean it up. He'll keep you in that mint condition. All right, number five. Number five. God restores frame and alignment. So this picture comes from these guys who are great at restoration. They had taken a ratty old vet and they like ripped it down to parts. All that was left was like all these rusty parts. And then they start cleaning up each individual part and putting it back together. And they start on the frame, which is what the whole car is built on. The foundation of this new car, this restoration. And the suspension goes on the frame. And this is the part 
that gets you aligned so you go down the road straight? Wouldn't it be sad to restore a Corvette and, uh, and spend all this time and all this money and then it goes down the road like this? Like, like... Wouldn't that be sad? <laughs> like, you'd laugh at it, right? Nobody would pay for that, like <laughs> this crooked Corvette. So in a spiritual sense, when God is restoring us, the critical framework is our belief system. It's what anchors our life, what we believe. Not what we understand about Scripture, but what we believe and how we align our life with the truth. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom and restoration comes through knowing the truth and being set free. Matthew 7, Jesus said, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So putting the truth, his words, into practice. I want to give you an example of this point. This is the critical point. We'll say it twice. You can understand God's truth and live from a lie. You can understand Scripture, but live according to a lie-based belief system. Right? I've done it. That's how I know you can do it. <laughs> I will give you my example. So um, I became a Christian at a young age. I was attending a Christian school, going to a good Bible-based church, and learning all sorts of scripture and how to live the Christian life, how to follow Jesus, I was not lacking in understanding or knowledge appropriate to my age. Um, and if you would ask me in high school what my favorite Bible verse was, it would be this one on the, on the overhead here. Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So I understood what that meant. Through Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of sin, that God is not angry. But I was living my life according to the lie that he was angry. According to lies that say things like, well, that's true for some people, but my sin's worse. He can't forgive mine because it's worse than so-and-so's. Or he forgave mine, and again and again and again, but I kept doing it, and I've just done it too many times to really be forgiven. I can't really be clean and holy in his sight because I've done it too many times. That kind of stuff. I was living according to a lie, although I knew the truth here, but truth has to get more heart, guts-ish, less head-ish, right? We don't, we don't, like, sit down and write out our theology of God and then, you know, and it's like, perfect. That's not your belief system. That's your knowledge system. Your belief system comes out on Tuesday at 11 o'clock at work when you take a lunch break with people and whatever's going on there. Or when you come home after a long day and see your spouse and your kids and whatever's coming out there reveals our belief system. Or I want to continue giving you an example. Or when you stand to worship God together on a Sunday morning and you come into his presence and what comes out sometimes is, you know, junk ridden. <laughs> it was for me. That can reveal a faulty belief system. Hopefully that's not the case for you, but I've experienced it. So I want to tell you another story. Um, 
I was probably college-aged when this story occurred, but I was um, here for church on a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday morning. Anyway, and the sanctuary used to be turned that way, so the stage was over there, and I was sitting right here, and we're singing songs of worship, and I was really closing my eyes trying to worship God and just struggling. And I was feeling bad about my sin. I was living according to the lie. I had my bad framework, and I'm going down the road like that. And, uh, and so I was just all of a sudden picturing in my mind's eye with my eyes closed, me doing my worst sin. And then I started feeling even worse. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, ugh, I'm yucky. You know, ugh, how can I even raise my hands to worship God when I've done what I've done? And, um, and luckily, you know, I brought that to God. I'm like, God, ugh, I feel like, ugh. You know, and then he changed the picture in my mind so that I saw the same sin being done, the same scene playing out, but I wasn't in it anymore. Instead, I saw Jesus doing my sin. And I'm like, now God, that is bad theology. <laughs> you can laugh at me, it's okay. <laughs> right? I'm like correcting God's theology. But I'm like, that is bad theology. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. You know, he became a man, he was God, he was man, but he didn't sin. So why are you showing me a picture of Jesus doing my worst sin? And he's like, well, that's how I see it now. And I started to understand that what's in this verse, no, not understand, I started to believe, but I already understood that when God looks at my account of my life and my deeds, he does not count that one against me anymore. He put it, he transferred it into Jesus' account. And Jesus took it to the cross. <laughs> Try to hold it together and keep moving, but holy cow. That is how understanding becomes belief system. That's how you build a framework of a Corvette you're restoring. So you, I encourage you to chase after experiencing and encountering God. Lori talked about it this morning. Both Lori's talked about this, but this Lori talked about that. Just spending time in the realm of imagination with the Lord and letting him speak to you, you know? And, and it's a part of a, our culture of this church to, to embrace that. And the safe way to make sure we don't become um, heretics is let him speak, let him talk, write it all down, and then go to scripture, make sure it lines up, Talk to a spiritual mentor, someone who's farther along in the journey than you that you trust, and go, hey, here's what I heard. Does that make sense? Watch the fruit. Is the fruit good? But to engage with God and experience him is so important. All right. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Another element of the frame and alignment piece of this is what this guy is doing in this picture. He has a a paint roller and a stencil and I don't know if you can see it very well because it's red on black but what he is painting on the frame of the Corvette is the original manufacture date it says 11 58 November 30th 1958 and then it has like a serial number or a or like a lot code where it was made when it was made marked by who made it pretty good right you can see where I'm going with this <laughs> yeah so 
when God, when we are saved and God starts to restore us, a key element of that framework is your identity in him, who he says that you are. So here's another piece of kind of another way of saying the same thing or, or add a little layer to that. In this one, they've got like a half, the half restored Corvette and it's got the Corvette front license plate. It says Corvette, right? So God marks us with his identity, that we're his and we're adopted into his family, right? So you have who you are as an individual, but you are also marked with what family you belong to. It's pretty good too. I'm feeling that one. It's scriptural. Revelation 2, to the one who is victorious, perseveres. I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. So I'm excited to get my actual white stone, but God is already speaking to that identity. That's, that's what the journey is like from salvation till consummation, till, till Jesus returns, till, till it's all done. Get all this time to start learning from God, like, who, who'd you make me to be? What is that name you're going to write on that stone? What's that going to be like? So cool. Revelation 3, to the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, I will write on them the name of my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Jesus said that. That's that family that we belong to, marked with his name. So, so good. Okay. Six of seven. Part six of seven. The side of this, I think this is after the vet's been fully restored, but the side in this nice, beautiful script says, fuel injection, which was a big deal in 1959, I'm sure. Um, Fuel injection. So, get restored more and more, and God is going to take us somewhere. We're going on a journey, and to be propelled by, fueled by, feeding on the right things is critical in our journey. So Jesus said in John 6, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So what do we need to eat? What do we need to burn in our, in our uh, gas tank? Feed on Jesus. If, if anything is like truthful, life-giving, loving, gracious, merciful, you know the attributes of God, you know? <clears throat> Those are the things that we want to be sourced from. That's where we want to take our energy to propel us forward. And it's so easy to chew on <laughs> the things that come from the world that do not come from God, Right? to hold on to unforgiveness and hurt. So easy to continue to be defined by the hurt from the past and and let that linger around, but that's not our new identity. That's not what we want to be fueled by. We don't want to put that junk in our tank. All right, number seven, God doesn't miss a thing. So in this picture, the fully restored Corvette, this is a picture of the interior. I have never seen two finer seatbelts in my whole life. Have you? They are laid just so. I can picture them like setting up the picture and the, you know, bring this side of the seatbelt here and this side there. And they're like, no, no, no. Yes. That's how they need to lay for the photograph. Right? And you can tell the steering wheel, the dash, the console, the, the gauges, the rear view mirror, the inside of that door, like every little nook and cranny has been restored to perfect condition. Right? And that's like God. God doesn't miss a thing. He won't leave you 
with junky hubcaps, a leaky roof, a muffler with a hole in it, a wide open exhaust. He's going to get to the whole thing and make it beautiful and make it perfect. And that's going to be for your good, for your enjoyment, for his enjoyment, for his good, for his glory. It's going to be so awesome. So that comes back to 1 Thessalonians 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through every little nook and cranny. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Aren't you glad it's not up to us to get into perfect condition? Because it doesn't work. But luckily, God is is the master restorer. Um, And it says that about Jesus in Hebrews 12. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He will perfect you. And that's going to be so good. So those are the seven things that we've looked at in our little fun Corvette analogy. I hope you liked it. I hope you got some perspective out of that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Are you ready to respond? All right, would you stand with me for a moment before we wrap up? To be fully restored takes persistence on our part. You have to be willing to give God permission to get in every nook and cranny. You have to keep bringing to him the parts that you find that are not restored. If you find, if you feel pain somewhere in life, right, like a a situation at work is causing you pain, situation at home is causing you pain, or you find that you are causing pain in others, these are signs that there is an area that can be restored, right? If you come home from work and uh, shortly thereafter your spouse is like just feeling beat up and you realize you're like, man, I'm causing pain. What is going on in me that needs restoration so I don't do that? You know, or if you have just this thing from the past that keeps coming back up and you're like, I just can't seem to get past that. Bring it to God for restoration. Be persistent. He's faithful and he will do it. So why don't we just pray a prayer together? I will pray. And if you agree with me, then agree with me that we're going to give God permission to get into the nook and cranny and get after every part. All right? Let's do that. Father God, we thank you so much just for this picture of what you're up to. God, that you are willing to buy a ratty old vet. And that's what salvation is, Father God. So, yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you that you want to restore every part of us, God. So we give you permission to get to every part. I hold nothing back, God. I I choose not to hold on to ownership. I sign over the title of this Corvette to you. You can have the whole thing and do what you want with it. And I trust that what you want to do is good. It's for my good. It's to accomplish the mission that you have in this world for me. You're going to show me my identity in you, that you're going to mark me as a member of your family. It's going to be good. I promise to be persistent in coming to you for restoration, God. Would you do that in each of us this week, Father God? Would you bring us to a new level of restoration in you this week? 
In Jesus' name, amen.